Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Has Jose Mourinho's bus pass expired? and welcome to The Real Football Cast. I'm your host Dan Tracy and in the next 45 minutes I'll once again be dissecting through all the hot topics in football. Again, the aim is to separate all the football away from the chaff as on this episode we look back on the second week of the Premier League season. In addition, I do actually have some listeners' questions this week so thanks to anyone and everyone who sent those in and I also launched what I hope will be the hit segment, Footballers' Names. Thankfully, I'm not going to be doing it alone, so there are no concerns about me waffling on again once more. Joining me tonight, I have two real football men, and there's been a bit of squad rotation, as Cole is out on a scouting mission. I don't know how he's got that one signed off, but anyway, once more, I'm joined by JS, and he, as you should know by now, runs the excellent Football in the City website. JS, I hope you're well, and like last week, you've watched as much football as humanly possible. I've watched all of it. I'm like, is the right answer? I'm, I'm like omnipresent in football, so yeah. <laughs> you are time. <laughs> exactly. Yes. That. Very, very good. And I also will be handing out a debut cap to my good friend Anthony Kendrick. Now we've crossed swords on a couple of podcasts beforehand, and it's great to welcome him to mine. So Anthony, how have you been, my friend? I'm very good, thanks. Yeah, um, I, I, I've got some high uh, expectations. I've not watched all the football humanly possible. I've, I've watched a fair bit, so hope, hopefully I get by with that. That should be enough. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it can't be like watching 900 minutes of Premier League football a weekend. I don't know how JS does it, but I don't expect that much. But um, yeah, I'm sure you've done enough homework to, uh, to carry you through the next 45 minutes or so. Before, oh, we get, before we crack on, I'd best do some social media bits. Otherwise, I will be talking to the abyss once more. First, if you want to get in touch with me, you can, obviously. That's on Twitter, at DanTracy1983. As always, I'm always on the hunt for listeners' questions, or listeners. Um, truth be told, it now can be anything connected with football. As loose as it wants, the floor is open, the floor is yours. So, more importantly, where can you find the podcast? You can find it uh, with links on my Twitter account during the week. They'll always be pushed through there. But you can also, more importantly, find it at realfootballcast.com. From there, there are links uh, where you can direct download or stream to your device, tablet, laptop, what have you. And there are also links to SoundCloud and Audio Boom. 
the battle to get on iTunes is still in progress. I'm also looking for a sponsor for the show. I should really be putting my finger out and doing that a bit better. But while I try and find one, you can help me out at buymeacoffee.com slash realfootball. Again, apologies for getting the begging bowl out early, but this does cost money, so any loose change to keep the costs and the business viable will be very much appreciated. Right then, that's all the begging and the uh, request done. <laughs> it's time to go live. So the best place to start is the Amex. And Carl, who's been a guest for the last two weeks, has been kind enough on his, I guess, week off to uh, chuck in a question. And it's one for you, Anthony. He asked... Ultimately, how do you see the United situation going? Is it going to fall apart or are they going to recover? What do you reckon? So, before the season started, I sent you uh, an article uh, predicting the United, uh, predicting the Premier League and I predicted United to finish sixth. And I've seen nothing from the first two games that will change my mind, I think. United were lucky against Leicester. Um, sort of played OK, but not nothing special. And then Brighton completely destroyed them. Uh, Brighton completely deserved the win. They were terrific. Um, but yeah, looking at United, I, I, I can't see uh, Mourinho turning it around. I, I think we're looking into an abyss. And I, I don't think United will finish in the top four. The, the players don't seem to be playing for the manager. Um and yeah, I'm, I'm very concerned for the season ahead. Wow, a bold statement early on. But um, I guess off the back of that, that defeat, and a lot of people are trying to make this equation, or they have already, um, Anthony, are we seeing the start or the, I guess the end of a three-year cycle for Mourinho? Is life imitating art as it, as it has done at Madrid, Chelsea, Milan, what have you? I mean, are we seeing it all over again? I think we are, and um, I know it's easy to say this now, but when we appointed Mourinho, I was very vocal of the fact that I did not want Mourinho at the club. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think uh, I'd be very surprised if this time next year Mourinho's in charge at United. I, I think he'll be gone uh, either dur during the season or more likely at the end of the season. I mean, I guess it would have to be something cataclysmic, JS, for him to go during the season, but at the same time, that did happen at Chelsea, didn't it? I mean, won the Premier League one season, they were almost relegation followed the next. So, can you see something that drastic happening, or is it going to be a, you know, a handshake at the end of the season and thanks for but no thanks? It was about it was about eight games at Chelsea, wasn't it? I think that following season, um, I don't know. You know, he, he seems to have pissed off everyone as he seems to have been doing ever since his kind of Madrid days where it all seemed to start going a bit wrong for him um, I mean having said that what's he won like an FA Cup and the Europa League in the last two or three seasons in the old days of normal football that that would be exceptional wouldn't it really um, I think perhaps we we sometimes have slightly ludicrous expectations of what managers should be doing having said that he's spent how much has he spent now? Oh, God, no. 500 that, million, is that right? Have I just plucked that out of the air? Or does that sound about right? I don't know. I thought I thought it was a bit higher. Wasn't well, it? yeah, OK, let's just say 500 is a benchmark, but still, that's a hell of a lot of money in but, this day and age. You know, to not deliver the top yeah, tier prizes. And, and, and I, I, think the, I think the problem is, you know, people always kind of accuse Pep Guardiola of, oh, could he do it at a club with no money? It's like, well, he played a... Um, an entire first team from La Masia in a Champions League semi-final once and he was quite instrumental in restructuring that and also Chelsea have the same kind of money City do United have had the same kind of money that City have had 
and all the other managers aren't doing it, are they? You know, Mourinho came in, he was meant to be a top, top manager, probably the world's best at one point in his career. You would definitely expect them to be getting a little bit closer to City at this stage. Um, because otherwise, what was the point in sacking like Van Gaal or even Moyes or whoever? You know, it's like they, they probably would have got them to a similar level by now anyway. So um, it's all very unman United like. I, ca- I can't see where they'll go next. Probably Zidane, uh, I guess. You know, will it be before the end of the season? I don't know, maybe. What happens if they get hammered by Spurs at home on Monday? Well, I think. Yeah, please continue, Anthony. I was going to say, I think the big problem is is uh, the payoff. I presume if they were to sack him mid-season, um, they'd have to give him a huge payout because they've given him the new contract last year. I think I think if it happens mid-season, I think it's more likely that Mourinho just gets fed up and walks rather than the club sacking him because of the sheer size of the payout they'd have to do. Do you think that's what Edwards and whoever else at your sort of top tier have sort of been trying to do, kind of slightly edge him out a bit, you know? Who, who was it? Was it Edwards or the other guy who gave him a bit of a hammering when he started moaning about how he didn't have any money to spend? Edward Wood, wasn't it? Oh, it was Woodward, yeah, not, not, Edward, not Martin Edwards. Yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, um, no, I, I don't think they are trying to force him out. You know, from Man United's perspective, the ideal result is Mourinho wins the Premier League. They don't want him to fail. Um, no, I don't buy that, to be honest with you. I think I, I, can, see what, I can see what you're saying, but no. Um, do, do you not think that showed they were a little bit fed up with him, though? You know, I mean, to do it, to do it so it got out so publicly as well, you know. I mean, um, that, would, that would never have happened under Ferguson or anyone else. You know? I know Ferguson was continually success, successful, but, you know, can you, you know, like Pochettino at Spurs, for example, made some slightly, you know, guarded comments at the end of last season about how we need to be brave and blah, blah, blah. Maybe Levy behind closed doors gave him a massive bollocking about it, but you didn't hear about that, did you? You didn't hear about Levy criticising Poch, telling him to shut up and get on with what he's got, did you? You know, Perhaps. Um, I, I accept there probably is a bit of a power struggle at United. It, Mourinho made the comment he uh, his job title should be head coach, not manager. I, I accept there probably is um, a, a power struggle going on, but I, I wouldn't, personally, I, I wouldn't agree as do far you, as you have. Do you think you get any top manager like you know, who were just completely focused on their job, even caring about what their job title was, as long as it effectively meant the same thing. Mm, yeah, but that, that that's the problem. It's what it means to Mourinho. The, the job title, the historic job title of manager, means that you control all the player signings and all that. He mm-hmm. was referring to himself as a head coach, that he's not in complete control of the transfers like a, a traditional manager would be. He's like a head coach in, say, Pochettino or Emery or someone else where someone else sort of does most of the transfer side. He has an input, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have the final say. So, yeah, I, there's definitely, I, I, I would say there's definitely a power struggle. Anthony, do you reckon that for Mourinho... He's now reaching his own personal crossroads, not just um, his time as a United manager, you know, that could go either way, but also his status as, a, as an elite manager. Because if this turns into, I guess, another busted flush, it's another uh, bridge burn, he's then running out of options. I mean, it's almost diminishing returns for him now, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, hmm. uh, yeah, it is kind <laughs> of diminishing returns. I was just trying to think of the right way to phrase it. I think... 
it's difficult. He's had success across Europe at various clubs. Um, I think international management perhaps would be the next stage for him. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to see why the next thing is, or unless it's something like China or you know a market like that. I'm I'm not sure where he can go really. I, I can see like PSG or you know by. I mean, we discussed this last week. Actually, there's only really two sort of two clubs he can really go to now, and one's Bayern and the other one's. PSG, isn't it? That's about it. You know, PSG. PSG they, would be a very good fit for him in my. Yeah, in my. that's what that that's what I think because it, 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 it's kind of like United, but they they almost literally seem to have an unlimited budget, and mm-hmm. even Mourinho couldn't fuck that up. Really, you know well, what I mean? Yeah, and, right. and, and if he does, he could just buy someone else in. You know, which is where I think. Um, Woodward drew drew the line. You know, he, I think his comments were along the lines of just get get on with coaching. You know, which is what yeah. he should be doing. Is a coach. Could I just make a point to be devil's advocate? Um, yeah. Mourinho got he got eighty one points last season in the Premier League. In a, in most seasons, I know City got a hundred, but in most seasons that would be enough to get you the Premier League title, or if not, narrowly miss out. And perhaps perhaps you're underestimating that. Well, I don't know, because how, how many did Spurs get the season before? Was it 83? Oh, I can't remember off the top of I think they said that would have won it in That's more right. or less most years. But I mean, it, it doesn't matter because you didn't win it in that season. That's right. That, that's what it that, falls that, down to eventually. That, that's the bottom line, isn't it? You didn't. You weren't good enough to get anywhere near to City in that season with the money he's got. With the ridiculous wealth of resources he has at his disposal, he should be getting really close, really close. That that shouldn't have been a twenty point margin. No right, way. That's enough about Moo Moo. I was we'll be here all night and we won't talk about anyone else. So let's remove the negatives of Mourinho's Manchester performance at uh, the weekend. But let's focus on the <laughs> positives. JS Brighton. They uh, dusted themselves off after a poor showing in the opening weekend. Is it, again, going to be a case of home form that's going to do him the most favours this time round? I think... I think they got... Didn't they get more away points last year? Was that Brighton? No, no. They were much stronger at home last season. Oh, OK. I can't, I can't remember who that was. It was someone else who stayed up but struggled, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you know what? Last week, I said, I said they're definitely going down, didn't I? You did, yeah. <laughs> like you, you watch that, and I know United are in a bit of disarray at the moment, but I don't know. They look sharp. They looked hungry. Um, some of their football was really beautiful and really fluid. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of feel like a more coherent United might, might have had enough to see them off. It, it's, it's, it is a little bit too early to tell, isn't it? Um, will the home thing be a factor? Yeah, the atmosphere is great. Um, I don't know. Wh- wh- which other clubs would have beaten them, that same team, on that day? Spurs, probably. Liverpool, probably. City, probably. Chelsea at the moment. Maybe even Arsenal. I know they've got no points, but actually they've had probably two of their toughest games do, do you know what I mean? I, I, th- I think Anthony might be right. I think United. I, I still had United top four, but what what's happened the last couple of weeks? It, it's it's hard to say. Do you do you know what I mean? It's hard to oh, say. Oh yeah, absolutely. Good. I mean, you look yeah. At 
because United, United, I mean, they've clearly got some exceptional players. Maybe there's a little bit of World Cup hangover with one or two, but I don't know. They, it's it's hard to tell. I don't know where United are at, so it's hard to say where Brighton are at. If that makes sense. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, really, what can you really learn from the first? I don't know, even ten matches is something that me and Carl were discussing last night on the Tottenham podcast. That it's right. all a, all a feeling out process at the moment. That. Wins shouldn't really be magnified too much, as should losses. I think it's just the fact that it was an upset, wasn't it? And I think that's what sort of made it more of an issue than it was. And I think I, I, I agree. Although, although I think it's probably safe to say City are going to be there or thereabouts again after two games. Yes, know. and that leads me into the next uh, set of questions, actually. I mean, we yeah. are only two games of the season. And again, I'm literally just going to get over my own words. You can't really read too much into it. But, Anthony, the way they played on Sunday, they could have been touching eight or nine by the end, couldn't they? Yeah, they were they were exceptional as as they have been uh, on many as they were on many occasions last season. Uh, there's not really much to say about City for me. I think that you can't back anyone else to win the Premier League. City just look a way ahead of anyone. Um, yeah, it was another very good performance. You know, as I say, not unlike the 25, you know, times they destroyed teams last season and scored four, five, six goals. Yeah, I mean, from the, the flip side, JS. I mean, we look at how good Man City were but it's always one of those kind of games where is it the winning team being absolutely brilliant or is it the losing team being absolutely awful and it's probably somewhere in between at the weekend Huddersfield I mean really it was always going to be a free hit if they got anything out of it I mean I know they went there last season and drew nil nil but that was almost like end of term really wasn't it so if they got anything out of it on Sunday it would have been a great result but that defeat and the magnitude must be demoralising so how did Huddersfield bounce back from that? Yeah, I think, I think well, as, as I said last week, I, th- I think they're going down this season. And obviously Sunday, yeah, it's against City, so it's a bit bit hard to say. But I just didn't see enough in them. You know, I mean, even when they have the ball, you know you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, and let's be honest, they're, 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 uh, do they even have any World Cup players? I think maybe... Lershaw? Yeah, so, maybe Moyer, uh, Australia, was he there? Yeah, oh, but I think okay. his wife was giving birth, wasn't he? So that's why he couldn't play. But. Oh, was it? Right. So, I don't know. I think they're really going to struggle. I, I just think City looks amazing, to be honest. I mean, they, they already look a little bit like they haven't even had the summer off, you know? They kind of no. just look like they've picked up exactly where they left off last season. And that's frightening for everyone else, because you kind of think already two games in... And you're sort of worried where, if if they are going to drop any points, you know. So, I mean, clubs like Spurs and Chelsea and, oh, it's crazy to say it, but you, you sort of think the way they are, there's not going to be that much for the league again this year, you know. No, you're probably right, to be honest, which is not good news for uh, football fans up and down the country because it's going to be a one-horse race that could be... You know, done by October, November once again. But Sky, Sky will love it, though, won't they? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean, they may. I mean, they can just you know carry on with uh, reinforcing the top six as the only thing that matters in the country and all the rest. But yeah, like you said, dreadful for general football fans in the country. You know, what do you make of um, Mendy being used as almost an auxiliary left winger? I mean, the way they sort of. The Sky graphics say they're going to play like this, and then Pep Guardiola sort of says, actually, no, we're not going to do anything like that. I mean, the way he's sort of just revolutionised the team over the summer and the shape, you had Laporte playing right back, Mendy Mm. playing wherever he wanted to play and causing a lot of damage. I mean, that flexibility is just a headache in itself, isn't it? 
It's, it's amazing. Do you know what? It reminds me of a little bit, actually. And I know, I know the World Cup was a terrible example, and I'm not sure if you watch any Bundesliga, but it reminds me very much of how um, Jörg Pankers was uh, deploying Josh, Joshua Kimmich at uh, Bayern last season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like a... It, I don't even know how to explain it. It's almost like a round but from a, a wing-back position. It, it's it's amazing to watch it in the Premier League. Has, hasn't Mendy got man of the match? Like, <laughs> oh no, Aguero got it. But I, I think he's been there or thereabouts. Certainly judging on the fact that I keep getting pissed off because in my fantasy league, someone's got Mendy and he keeps getting more points than the actual goal scorers I've got in my team, you know. So, yeah, I, I think it's amazing to answer your question, Dan. Sorry. That's all right. Yeah, I think it's the right answer, to be honest. I mean, it is simply breathtaking to watch. One game I didn't get to watch, unfortunately, was Palace-Liverpool because I was in uh, podcast duty last night. So you'll have to tell me how the game went. But to be honest, I don't really need to know too much about that. I'm more interested from the uh, Crystal Palace fa- fans' point of view. And I don't know if you were, Anthony, about the uh, Holmesdale Fanatics. They, they're the ones you see on match of the day with a big flags the left-hand side of the, your screen and they're not part of the uh, the atmosphere this season because due to a dispute about where they wanted to sit they wanted to sit behind the goal and then try and make the atmosphere bigger and better but they the people who were in those seats weren't willing to move so by and large they're not there is that going to have any effect at all on how Palace play at home because they want to create Selhurst Park into something of a fortress and it wasn't that last night so is that going to have any effect on them over the season um Perhaps. It, it was referenced uh, in the commentary when I watched it last night that they had sort of split up and scattered around the ground. I'm sure I'm sure it will make some difference, but I, I don't imagine it will be, you know, um, I don't think it will completely ruin their home form or anything. I, it, it did make some difference, though, I think. Um, as for the game last night, I thought Palace played all right, actually. Uh, they, were, they were a bit unfortunate. There was, a, you know, a debatable penalty, perhaps it was, and then a red card, which uh, which sort of killed their chances. Um, I, I think Palace will be just fine, though. I think sort of, you know, top half, uh, sorry, uh, the top part of the bottom half of the table, you know, like 11th, 12th, I reckon they'll finish. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I think that sounds about a fair prediction. I think me and Jace, we touched on that, I don't know, maybe a fortnight ago, that Palace have got the players to do good stuff, but they don't do those good stuff enough, do they? Their day is you know, not frequent enough to really be pushing the top 10. But, you know, as yeah, he says, exactly. is 11th, 12th a sort of fair estimate for you this season? It, it depends. It's like, I think I said last week very specifically, they, they have a lot of very excellent players who who are very patchy. They're very inconsistent. If they can just find a bit of consistency in their game... They could easily be challenging for the sort of last European spot. You know, like Zaha looks electric again almost every time he was on the ball last night. Um, Townsend actually looked very good. I, I agree with Anthony, actually. Um, I think they were really unlucky last night. I think they, I think they played well. Uh, I think Salah was unusually wasteful in front of goal. Um, you know, any other day, having said that, Liverpool probably could or should have scored two or three other goals that won the kind of unlucky incidents Anthony referred to, you know, um, which, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think Salah completely made a meal of that. I think a red card was harsh. Uh, replays also showed that he'd, he'd already knocked the ball, ball yeah. 
way wide, so technically it wasn't a clear goal-scoring opportunity, so he shouldn't really have been sent off. That's only meant to be a caution anyway. Even if it's deemed to be judged accidental, it's only a caution this year. So um, I, I thought that was just for penalties. Sorry. I no, no, that... no. I well, I read earlier. I didn't. I didn't know before today until someone highlighted and then I checked it. Apparently, it's also um, it's also when you when you throw on goal if it's if it's deemed to be accidental, uh, even if it's a um, goal scoring opportunity. I'm pretty sure it's only a caution now. Yes, that happened in the so. World Cup, didn't it? When Denmark played Croatia, was it Jorgensen who gave that penalty away? That's late right. On? And That's it, right. It, it looked blatant. No, sorry, it didn't really look blatant. He made an honest attempt to play the ball, but a lot of That's people right. were up in arms saying, well, hang on, isn't that a red card? Because it was, what, three, four uh, yards out from goal. But it was more of a sort of honest attempt to play the ball, which did stop a goal-scoring opportunity, a very obvious one. But the new rules say it's a yellow, so it gets rid of that whole double jeopardy yeah. nonsense. I, so, but, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I, I do agree with Anthony. I, th- I think you're a bit unlucky. But also, like I said, I think Liverpool probably could have scored two or three others maybe should have and probably would have on another day. So, Sorry, Anthony, yeah. you're going to add something else there? Uh, uh, yeah, I was just going to say my understanding was it was for um, just for penalties because of the triple punishment. But um, yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe it is for free kicks too. I'm, I'm not sure. But yeah. It's, it's, def- uh, it's definitely right on penalties. I'm not 100... Oh, you've said penalty. it now. You've, you've said it now, but I'm fairly certain I, I read it somewhere... And I checked the official thing earlier because I'm a bit of a nerd like that. I think it's right, but don't right. don't don't quote just, me on just, that. Just on Palace, though, I would say um, that their battles aren't against Liverpool. A bit, you know, that their battles are going to be against the Brightons, the mid, uh, the Bournemouths, or whoever. They're the games which which really matter. They'll they'll move on from this Liverpool game and look ahead to the weekend. I'm sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and that leads me on to my next team. And last week we said JS that West Ham's battles weren't against Liverpool. Theirs are against Bournemouth, and they lost that battle last week when they lost to Bournemouth. So we've actually got a, a listener's question. So it comes in from at the Coys Life. He asks, "Will West Ham improve on last season in terms of points slash position with the money spent, and could they have put those funds to better use?" Uh, hi, Scott. His name's Scott. Um, no, they, they 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 look worse than ever, to be honest. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm going to have a slight bias being Spurs, but they got Pellegrini in, they spent all of this money, they already had very good players like Arnautovic, and then some very decent players like Noble. Um, I mean, they've got others, you know, youngsters, Declan Rice, Reese Oxford, and so on and so forth, there or thereabouts. I I don't get it. I don't get what is, what is happening there. If you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I think they could really struggle. Um, but if they kind of get it all together, you know, perhaps I can't see them finishing above mid-table. What about, what about you guys? Um, Anthony, you can go first. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I don't think. I think they might. They'll be there. Obviously, I don't think they'll get relegated. But I don't see them challenging you know, for Europe or anything like that. I think what what's key is that they've, they've spent a significant amount of money, but there's not really much Premier League experience. It's all European players, which is fine. Um, but I think there's almost a tendency, almost like you're playing fantasy football or FIFA or something, to think this guy's scored a load of goals in Germany or Spain 
or whatever, mm. he'll be, I'm pretty confident he'll be a hit in the Premier League. Whereas it's not always like that. It takes players time to adapt and stuff. On paper, if you're playing fantasy football or FIFA or whatever, it's a very good side. You're, they've got a potentially very good side there. The reality is it's not Premier League suitable for me. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think someone's um, got some kitty money on a football manager, haven't they? And just thought, yep, yeah, I'll go scout around Europe. And on paper, it's a good good team but you know football matches aren't won on paper are they and you could make the case obviously that the team is going to take time to gel because there are a lot of new players but in terms of improving on last season I don't think they they will because I think like other teams have bought better for probably less money or you know the same like if you, even teams like Fulham and Wolves I think might finish above West Ham so it's sort of they're buying that much to stand still so it's not great it, but at the same time you'd also have to ask a West Ham fan as long as they stay up that must be sort of success in itself no yeah, I suppose. Um, I, I think back to Spurs, actually. You know, when you sold uh, Gareth Bale and brought in six or seven players yeah. who had a good reputation in Europe, the only one who you could say is a definite success is Ericsson. The That's rest, right, yeah. I think Lamela might have been signed that season. He's still there. But the rest have gone and, you know, you spent a lot of money. Um, and yeah, if you're playing FIFA or whatever, or football manager, you know, you've got a very good side. But that's not how it works in reality. To be fair, I do I do agree with you on the FIFA FM stuff. To be honest, I I I hate how everyone seems to somehow think they're an expert because they've managed to win the Champions League with Swindon or whatever. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know like, what you mean though. But... They they re- they really do. But that that summer. Um, to be honest, the, the, the one I was most excited about was actually Paulinho because I'd, I'd seen him, I'd seen him in the uh, the Confederations Cup Cup against Spain, and that was still the the tail end of the Spain great team, possibly the greatest ever international midfield in history, the one with Xavi and Iniesta in, and he he played sort of slightly. It was a bit. It was kind of box to box, but it was kind of. It wasn't quite in a pivot. It was slightly more. You could probably use one of those wanky FM terms like Carriero or whatever they're called, you know, or Metzola. It was that kind of thing, and he completely dominated the midfield almost single-handedly against those great players. And when we signed him, I thought, oh, fucking brilliant! And he just didn't adapt to the Premier League. Went to China, and then Barcelona signed him. Yeah, and then went there. Well, went to Barcelona for just a season and now gone back yeah. to China. Just and so then went weird, back to the it? same club. That just, is the weirdest, yeah, that is the weirdest transfer. That's money laundering, that is. That's money laundering 101, that is. But, um, <laughs> Which so, way, though? Oh, who knows? I don't, well, Spanish people don't pay tax, do they? That's a very sweeping <laughs> statement. Exactly. But yes. um, it's not It's not one that's not true either. <laughs> so, um, you know, make of that what you will. Talking yeah. of money in football, I'm going to drop out <laughs> the Premier League for a bit. Nice segue there. We're going to go to the Championship. <laughs> Now, Anthony, I'm sorry that you um, have to be pulled away from watching Derby this evening. I do appreciate you coming on and joining us. But it's um, the start of the, the streaming revolution in the Football League in midweek. So I just yes. want to get yours and Jace's views on how is this going to sort of pan out for the Football League? Is this a good step in terms of, I guess, another revenue stream, a much-needed revenue stream? Or is it going to have a negative effect because people are now going to be watching from the comfort of their own home than opposed to going to the ground? Um, you can argue it both ways, as, as you've just sort of started to. Um, I think it's going to be a positive thing overall. I think Sky Sports have put a lot into the Football League. They've lost most of the European football in the Champions League, which has forced them to promote the Championship particularly, but also Leagues 1 and 2. Um, 
the championship is currently a very good league. It's one of the most watched leagues in the world. I think it's the third most watched or fourth most watched league in the world and is in a very good place at the moment. Um, we could make a different argument about financial fair play and the finances of it all. Uh, but I think that's kind of out of the scope of this discussion. Um, I, I, w- I would say that overall, um, the net benefit of Sky Sports is helpful to the championship. The only thing I would say is the three o'clock games cannot be televised. There's no, I, I don't think there's a serious argument for that to happen. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think it's a good thing overall. I, I, I can see the argument about it potentially affecting midweek attendances and it might a bit. But midweek, if... if I think I think most people who are planning on going to a game midweek would go anyway. I think with working life and that midweek attendances are always a bit lower. I I, I don't think it's uh, it will have a significantly negative impact. Yeah, I think you're right in the sense that a floating fan, it's you know they're either going to be there or they're not. So in a, I guess in a sense that if they couldn't get there due to work and travel, that it must be the benefit because they can actually still give some money towards the club by by streaming the games. So I think that must be the sort of win-win scenario, no? Uh, I think so. I think, uh, well, myself, for instance, uh, being Manchester-based, but, uh, you know, wanting to watch Derby games, and I do watch, uh, I went to watch them against Oldham, for example, which was last Tuesday in midweek, because that's just up the road for me. But, you know, getting down to Derby, I'm, I'm not going to do that uh, as much as I'd like to on a, on a midweek. So, yeah, I, 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 as I say, the, the hardcore fans will still go. They won't be deterred by the game being on TV. But you've also got to point out that... Um, Fans in foreign countries can purchase the whole football league for a season for £150 or similar to that. Um, and yet they can't hear because, well, obviously because it's on Sky Sports. But that's that's quite a good deal. And it's, it, I imagine it would do, it does quite well for the international market as well. Yeah, you know, what's that? That's less than £10 a game, isn't it? We've got 23 home games. So I think that's a, an absolute steal, isn't it? JS, have you got anything to add on uh, midweek streaming in the Championship? Um... I'm not hugely pro it. I, I do I do completely... I, I sort of do agree with Anthony to a certain extent. The hardcore fans will go anyway. But my worry is that Sky has already helped to create an entire generation of armchair fans of Premier League teams anyway. Um, more so than ever. And I don't see why that would be any difference with, with different with the championship I, I kind of feel like it's the the thin end of the wedge i feel like it's only going to increase from there and uh, is it good for the clubs no because even if someone decides oh it's pissing down with rain i won't bother going it's a tenor for me and the entire family to stay at home and watch it going to the game it's going to cost me at least what like 80 quid for at least 80 quid for family tickets for the game, plus the day out, you know, the expense of getting there, the overpriced burgers and chips and, you know, Coke for the kids and whatever, you know. Um, I'll make make it clear that I meant Coca-Cola, not like cocaine for the lovely, children. Lovely I wouldn't advocate that strongly. Absolutely not. Um, so, yeah, but I... <sighs> I, th- I think it's one of those things where it's like it's a good short-term fix. It will probably mean a bit more money for the clubs, maybe for, say, people like Anthony, who, you know, geographically it's going to be impossible for him to get home to Derby, you know, every other weekend to go and watch them. Um, 
yeah, there's there's pros and cons. You know, I mean, it's. I think I think it's quite short termism again. I I think it's over the long term. I I don't think it's going to be that healthy for football, football community and general football culture in this country when it's just as easy just to pay a tenner and get it, you know, in HD on your TV. And I, do you know what I mean? Can I just point out that Sky have paid uh, £600 million, uh, pounds, £120 million a season for these rights and the, cha- uh, the the Football League rights are continuously going up. This is why we're seeing the Championship on, on Quest of all places uh, because Channel 5 and the BBC can't afford the rights. Um, I, I just put it in the is, other way. Is, is that good though? I mean, that's, that's again just turning... Another, not- sec- another section of our football into a commodity to sell back to people as a product? Um, as, it depends. Well, yeah, it depends how the money is being used, I suppose. It depends how much of that is properly going into grassroots football, into the football clubs and such. Um, I'm not completely sure, uh, to be honest. The, I mean, the one, I, sorry, one, sorry, Anthony, go on. I, I just would say, how, how annoyed are you, is it for you guys, if, as you know, with Spurs, say, if if you can't watch the, you know, the game, say if it's, I don't know, a three, well, say it's a three o'clock kickoff for argument's sake, you can't watch that game live, you can't get to the ground for whatever reason, do you? I don't know what what what. Well, what it's you... very annoying because everyone else in the world can watch it, and we're, I'm about sounding sort of xenophobic because someone who lives in England, it's a English Premier League, I can't watch the three o'clock kickoff. But at the same time, I'm not one of these people that wants three o'clock kickoffs shown on telly. So I think there's the rule sort of backwards. I mean, I've, I don't. I think unfortunately, it's sort of Pandora's box that is something that you can't really stop but, or but, change. But, but to counteract that, the TV companies are moving more games outside of that yes, three o'clock exactly frame anyway, aren't they? So you've got games every day of the week now, literally. I mean, that's just wrong to me. And in Germany, they've just introduced Monday night games in the grounds, and the, the fans protested the entirety of last season. They've started this season by protesting them again, and even the clubs hate it. So when the TV contracts are going to be renewed, that's more likely than not to you know get taken off the table and I, I love that you know why they decided they what you know football is ours and i know it's different with the 50 plus one thing and the community stuff in germany but let's be honest with we're as culpable in this as the clubs in sky because we've just bent over and taken it haven't we so it's the same thing again now nobody can complain in 25 30 years time when You've just got all these armchair fans supporting, like, Burton Albion or whoever, you know, or Sheffield United or whatever, and their community aspects of the clubs has been destroyed because they've got a more international fan base. Nothing wrong with people supporting the clubs, but a Liverpool fan pointed out the other day, he's not a season ticket holder, but he struggles to get tickets because of all the, the people coming over from different countries, and he lives in Liverpool. And yeah. that, that that isn't xenophobic. That's just if you if you live in a place, surely you should have the right to go and watch your football team that you've you've grown up with, and it's part of your community. It destroys co- communities around the clubs. It's it's the thin end of the wedge, and I really believe that the more things get televised, even lower down the leagues, the money's great. And this is what I was saying about the short term fix. Perhaps it will help bridge the gap and make it. 
you know, the Premier League even more competitive when these teams come up because they're already equipped. Um, I mean, you look at Wolves and Fulham with the extra TV revenue. They've, they've done brilliantly in the transfer market. Um, that's that's one aspect that's good of it. But when it rips the soul out of the club and it treats its fans like consumers, and I'm not talking about fans from around the globe because we know our football clubs treat those fans as consumers. They want those to come over because they'll buy all the merchandise from the shops, they'll spend a fortune in the grounds. So they're pitching increasingly to international markets and they are basically completely fucking over the fans and the communities that built those clubs to begin with. And we're just taking it. So in 30 years' time, when the same things happen to Derby, when the same things happen to Forest and Leeds, none of us can complain because we're letting it happen. Well, that leads me nicely to my next point, actually, is the, the death of the Northern Powerhouse, which is probably slightly linked to what you just sort of mentioned. Anthony, um, I think Gary Neville touched it about it on the weekend, actually, but I think it's been something that's been floating about for a while now, that teams such as Nottingham Forest, Sheffield Wednesday, Leeds, even your beloved Derby, mm. they're sort of big clubs in name, but they've lost that sort of big club stature, haven't they? But is this due to the fact that there's no real investment in Northern football anymore. It's not fashionable to put money into a Northern club. Are we, you know, you see the rise of teams like, you know, Bournemouth, Brighton, even sort of Reading at one point. We're seeing a sort of shift in the, the split of North and South football. Is it going to get better or worse? Can you see it recalibrate anytime soon? OK, um, the first thing I would say is uh, uh, I wouldn't call Derby. Uh, maybe maybe to a Londoner it might be, but Derby is definitely not considered a Northern team to the... Uh, to the uh, to those, but yeah, anyway, so that's just a minor thing. His uh, right, his right. Just to jump in, I, I grew up in Lincolnshire, um, and we 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 were Midlands, Ditto, Derby, Nottingham, and all the rest of it. So anything yeah. north of the Watford Gap is north. I'm with so. I'm with Anthony on this one. Sorry. Right, well, let's let's yeah. crack on then. Forget the geography. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, um, okay, uh, yeah, I was trying not to go into this argument before, but yeah. Um, there's definitely a London pull. If you're a foreign player um, and you've got a choice of going to, say, Newcastle or, let's say, you know, the North, Watford, somewhere like that, then you're more likely to pick a London club or a club nearer to London, I think. That, that, that's There's no no uh, competition there. In, in terms of, I think there's a lot of smaller clubs in the Premier League, you know, like the Bournemouths, like the Brightons and such. And there's a lot of big clubs like Leeds, Aston Villa, the Sheffield Clubs, Derby and so in the Championship. I think the Championship's an excellent league. Um, I don't think, I think the Northern clubs will come back. I don't think there's, it's to the extent it's been made out to be. Um, I think I think Leeds, Leeds look like the strongest team in the Championship this season. They will probably come, da- uh, come up into the Premier League. Middlesbrough were nearly there last year. I think, you know, it was a bit of a... Uh, it was them being unlucky not to be promoted. And, you know, Derby, I think, uh, not far away. I know things have been questionable under Lampard. Um, so, yeah, t- to answer your question, I-, I do think we'll see the Northern teams come back. I just think there's a lot of small teams in terms of, you know, history and fan base in the Premier League. And there's a lot of big teams in the Championship, whether that's North or South. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the list you sort of have just laid out is, what, at least half a dozen there. And they can't all get in at once so it's going to take a, a bit of time but you do find it's kind of cyclical and things sort of recalibrate and I think mm. you know there's certainly I don't know even if you put like teams like Stoke in the mix and West Brom that I know they're not strictly northern but again they're sort of outside the M25 
corridor. So it's a good sort of eight teams, one third of the championship. So you're right in the sense it's a very sort of strong league and a very um, good league to watch. But whether they can all sort of rejuvenate themselves. You can see a couple, but maybe not all of them will reach the promised land or not any time time soon. But that's the beauty of football. You never sort of quite know. Talking of a London pool, though, we've completely forgot to talk about Chelsea versus Arsenal. So um, quite prevalent, considering Unai Emery is doing his best David Moyes impression at the moment after trying to fill someone's big shoes and not very well. So, JS, what's your take on uh, the better or the bigger London derby that we saw at the weekend? Oh, it was an amazing game, wasn't it? I mean, it was just basically sort of end-to-end stuff, you know. Uh, I mean, it, it was like two heavyweights slugging it out in the end. You just expected someone to sort of deliver the knockout blow. Um, yeah, Unai Emery, he's a, good, he's a really good manager. He's proved that, you know, with his time more at Severe than PSG. But um, I think he seems to be a bit inflexible. We were talking about philosophies last week. He doesn't seem to have much of a plan B from what, you know, the first two games I've seen of them. Sari's thing also seems to already be working, kind of, you know. Um, I mean, they can't, they, they don't seem to be able to defend very well at the moment, but then neither do Arsenal. So, I mean, another game that really could have gone either way. What, what, what did you think of it? Um, to be honest, I only saw what, I could see from match a day because I was coming back from Tottenham versus Fulham. But for me, I think if Arsenal could learn to finish or finish better than they did on Saturday, they would have won that game. Do you not think, Anthony? Yeah, they, um, it was a very. It was literally. It was one of them that could go either way. It wasn't Chelsea. You know, didn't a draw would have been a fair result? I think. It, it, yeah, it could have gone either way. I think. I think Kuna Emery. I think uh, to say he's doing a David Moyes impression is a little harsh myself. No, uh, being tongue in cheek there, to be honest, like. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I, um, I think uh, no, I did like it. It was quite a bitchy comment, actually. It was quite, it was good. Um, <laughs> uh, um, Thank, thanks for the analysis there, Anthony, on Dan's comment. Sorry. <laughs> um, right. Sorry, where was I? Right. <laughs> Just about um, Unai Emery and um, yeah. Arsenal and such. Uh, Emery's done a decent job. I think the two games we've seen are very hard games to give a barometer of how good he will be at Arsenal. I, I think they will finish in the top four. I think Arsenal will have a good season in the end. Um, yeah, against City, no one's going to beat City. Um, or, or they're, gonna, they're not going to if they lose two games like they did last season. I think that that's there's not much you can do about that. The Chelsea game could have gone either way. You know, the tests sort of lie ahead for them. But um, there's definitely signs of progress. Arsenal look a lot better this season than they have in the past. Um, I agree. Uh, I, I think I think Lacazette needs to start. He needs to find a system to get Lacazette and Aubameyang. I, I think maybe a diamond might be a better season. Uh, Gwen Doozy as well. Gwen Doozy's looked terrific in the two oh, games I've seen him. He's, yeah. In City game in particular, he was the only... He was one of the few midfielders I've seen in the Premier League, you know, over the last year and two games, who's he's one of very few who've actually stepped up to the City midfield and, you know, competed uh, gallantly. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think Arsenal will have a good season. I, I think Emery can turn it around and, yeah, uh, Arsenal perhaps could have been in the relegation zone had had, uh, had Huddersfield have got something out of the City game. But, uh, yeah, they're just hovering above it for now, aren't they? Well, if we look ahead huh. to the weekend... Is it too early for a six-pointer? Because West Ham and Arsenal face each other, and neither one's got off the mark yet. So, you know, I'm being slightly flipping here, Anthony. Glorious. It's, it's week three, and 
it's quite a big game, isn't it? You know, it's not only a London derby, but both teams will be looking to get off the mark. They've new managers, new pressures, and all that. So, how do you see that one panning out? Yeah, no, I agree. It is. It's quite. A, it is quite a big game. Obviously, you know, for the London clubs, uh, I, I expect Arsenal to well get something. I, I, I would back Arsenal to win if you if you made me put a bet on it. However, both both teams are sort of in a you know a development phase with the new manager coming in. But I, I guess if Arsenal do lose it, how many more games can they get away with losing without uh, you know without questions asked? Well, I, it, I, I expect it, Arsenal it. to win it. Um, yeah. Are, are you just hoping to see Arsenal in the relegation zone at some oh, point? It's brilliant. But, um, I mean, in all honesty, they've, these two defeats, there is the very strong caveat that they are playing two very good teams. And yeah. if, if they lose those games, you know, it's it's not the end of the world as much as Arsenal fans would like you to, to think it is. If they don't win on Saturday, or whenever they play over the weekend, I think it is Saturday, but... Um, you know, there is already going to be a crisis looming over the Emirates, isn't there? That's such is the nature of the Yeah, for sure. No, no, no points from nine. Their fans are going to flip out. I mean, we'd we'd probably be saying the same thing if Spurs had lost their first two games. You know, um, about why we didn't sign anyone and blah blah blah. But I I agree with Anthony. I I do feel like. You know, Emery's a, a clearly a very good coach. He needs to learn to be a little bit more flexible and develop a bit more of, a, you know, sort of plan B for in-game management because he, he, he didn't really... He hasn't done anything to change the, the, the games, you know, and there, there were certain tactical switches you felt... Having said that, that's why I write about football and I'm not a UEFA pro license, whatever managing Arsenal and Emery is. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I felt like, yeah. I, I, do you really think they're going to finish top four, though, Anthony? I, I think I kind of feel like it might be a season too soon for them. I, I can't see them finishing above City, Liverpool, Spurs, and either Chelsea or United. Well, I, I I think United will miss out. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think Chelsea will be the other one to miss out on top four myself. But that's, uh, wow. I, I guess that's a debatable thing. I, I think, yeah, but yeah. over Arsenal, I, I I would say Arsenal to finish in top four over Chelsea myself. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Cool. Wow. Fair. Fair enough. Actually, yeah, that's the predictions you did send me actually early in, in the season, Anthony. So well, I've got them on the record on the internet. So there's no no hiding from them. We'll look back at them on, on May. But. Uh, <laughs> One team that, well, yeah, we can either laugh or congratulate you. But one team that is worth congratulating is Burnley after their fantastic season last time around. And it has meant that they are in Europe this season. They've gone to the uh, the heady heights of Scotland and Turkey. And JS, <laughs> will their um, Europa League campaign cause them to suffer in the Premier League? When you take oh, into account, un- un- undoubtedly. Uh, it's a question that at Hotspur World has asked. And he's sort of backed that up by saying they've had one point from their opening Two matches, um, you know, a draw on the opening weekend against Southampton, a ball draw, a defeat to Watford. Is the squad going to be really stretched this time around? Oh, definitely. I mean, we we know for some reason, I, I don't know whether it's because they're Thursday games or whatever, but we, we seem to struggle more when we were in Europa than we did when we play on Tuesday and Wednesday in the Champions League, you know. Yeah. Um, they're, they're tough. I mean, and, and also you tend to find... The biggest clubs in Europe, in the actual continent of Europe, tend to be in relatively easy to get to places. They tend to be in the biggest countries anyway, so they tend to largely be 
Germany, France, Italy, Spain, you know, wherever, you don't get as many, like, where, where did we play that team? Do you remember where we were literally inside the Arctic Circle a few seasons no. ago? I have to. I have to admit that was an away game I didn't go to. Um, thought the trip might be a bit bit arduous, but you know, um, they're they're going to struggle. Like I can't see how I can't see how they're going to stay even remotely competitive in in the league once you know they start travelling to the farthest reaches of Russia or northern Norway or wherever you know. They're, they're just not, they don't have the squad to do it, and that could actually put them in really serious trouble this year. Yeah, I mean, it could be like Ipswich from uh, 2001, 2002, when they finished fifth, and then yeah. tank the yeah. next season. So, you know, it sort of yeah. could be heady heights of the you know, European jolly, but it could. I mean, I mean it's, it's, the, it's the extra games as well, yeah. isn't it? Apart from any, apart from the actual physical travelling, you know, it's a lot of extra games in that week. Well, yeah. the previous. They played. They played a Turkish side, didn't they? And they're off to Greece this week to uh, face Olympiakos. When you look at what they played last season in terms of their eleven, it was it was a very consistent side. Very few changes, and they, there isn't much squad depth. I mean, you look at their dealings over the summer. They signed. Um, they signed Joe Hart. Um, ben Gibson then, at the end. Oh, yeah, they signed Ben Gibson and Derby's yeah. uh, Pedro. It's it's not a big squad. Um, there there isn't much room for rotation in that in that squad, and they are going to struggle. However. Uh, as, you know, looking as a Burnley fan, surely you'd rather get to say the quarterfinals or somewhere of the Europa League and finish sixteenth than you know finish eighth, ninth, or whatever. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. And get, I, I think I think Sean Dyche has got to put everything into the Europa League as long as as long as they stay in the Premier League. That that's all that matter, that should matter to them. That that's my view anyway. Problem is, I think they'll uh, crash out to Olympiacos. I think it's it might even be like a moot point what we've just sort of suggested that. I don't think they might even get to the uh, the group stage because that's quite a tough fixture. If they, if they do get past that, then all credit to them. And you know, I don't just... th- I don't think Olympiacos were what they were even a few seasons ago. I can't see them struggling with them to be honest. Oh, okay. Well, we have to wait and see how that one pans out. I need to uh, wrap through the last uh, few games because we're sort of uh, pushed for time. So Leicester got the better of Wolves and Jamie Vardy lost his head and got a red, but luckily they got uh, <laughs> all three points and Wolves with a fantastic own goal. I don't think the defender would have, Dover team would have known that, you know, any day of the week. He just sort of cannoned off his head, past Rui Patricio, 1-0. Fantastic. A, a dream goal that even a striker would have dreamt of. You know, fantastic. Um, Everton versus Southampton. Charleston is paying off a bit more of his transfer fee. Although at the other end, I don't know how Jordan Pickford stayed on after sort of lashing his foot down the back of Danny Ings. You know, I mean, we saw Jagiel oh, yeah. get, get sent off for not being in control of the ball the week before. So if that shows you anything, it's there's no consistency with referees. Cardiff, Cardiff Newcastle again just sort of happened. Uh, Kennedy had an absolute nightmare. Is uh, no completed passes. Should have got a red for booting out um, at the Cardiff player and also missing that 96 minute penalty. <laughs> so that wraps up the Premier League. Apologies that those sort of uh, three matches didn't get enough time that they should have, but it's because we launched the new segment, Footballers Names. Right. Way. Off the back of JS waxing lyrical last week about Brighton's <laughs> incredibly named players such as Gaetan Bong. Um, Pascal Gross, Davy Proper, Lewis Dunk, the list goes on. It's a fantastic group of mm. names. Um, the Iranian one, I'm not even going to try and pronounce. Um, I've asked the Twitter community to send me some names in. So I'm literally just going to read out some good footballers' names and you can sort of rate them and you know, give feedback and also add your own names. So here's the start with. At 1882N17 starts the bidding with the classic 
Jan Vinegar of Hesselink. That's quite a good one, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that one. Solid one, that. Um, at It Started in 1882. It's coming with a uh, solid Papa Booba Diop. Not bad, Anthony, is it? <laughs> no, it's a good name. Good player, weren't he? Um, I've got one from Matt <laughs> underscore Frolich, and he's chipped in with... This is a real name. I've checked this one out. Fabian Arsman. He's an Argentine, <laughs> he's an Argentine goalkeeper. Fabian oh, Arsman or Arsman. I don't know the exact pronunciation, but that is a real player. I think he plays in the second tier of Argentina. <laughs> um, at the Coy's Life, I think you said his name was Scott, so he's got a second contribution here. He's chipped in Anthony with this one. A defender, a Belgian defender called Mark Deman. Now, that doesn't get much better than that, does it? Doesn't get better than that, no. It doesn't. And this one to finish, and I had to double check this one. This is a real name. And at Anthony Ashton one has chips in with the incredibly named ex London striker Barry Wardrobe, and that is a real footballer's name. Oh, I've actually heard of that guy. Absolutely <laughs> true. Yeah, oh, love no. Anthony, can you think of any um, any input here in the footballer's name segment, which is going to be probably the best segment that we've ever done on this podcast ever? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I'm interested to see how the segment goes uh, in the future. Um, Burns Haas uh, at West uh, West Brom. Uh, good one. That is a good one. JS, just one this week. I'm sure we'll have many to, to rattle through. So can you add another to the list? Um, I'd probably have to go with Wolfgang Wolf. Oh, that's a good one. Wolfgang Wolf. Yeah, if, did he ever play for Wolves? No, he didn't. He, or did he play for uh, Wolfsburg? He, he didn't play for Wolf, Wolfsburg either, oh, unfortunately. So, John, uh, John yeah. DeWolf did play for Wolves, didn't he? So that's the perfect Wolves connection. Wolves and Wolves, there you go. So that's just the start of footballers' names. We've got nine months of this <laughs> and there are a lot of footballers' can names. I, can I just chip in with a really quick one? One so more, one more. It's, a, it's actually not a football one, but it's probably the best name ever. Okay. There, there's a Hollywood film composer called Thomas Wanker. <laughs> and that's his real name. And he, ha- and he composed the theme tune for Buffy and stuff like that. So he's like a big composer. He ended up changing it to Thomas Wonder. Well, there you go. Any hopes of this podcast being highbrow and being blown out of the water with the revelation <laughs> that there's a composer called Thomas Wanker? So it's, high, it's highbrow because he's a composer. Yes, that, I guess. Yes, that's the perfect link there. Well saved, JS. Well saved. <laughs> I've actually got one more question, and it's again from at the Coy's Live. So he gets a hat trick ball for the contribution. So you've done a great shift there, mate. Thanks ever so much. Feel free to send some more next week, and also anyone else who listens. And it's a question to both of you. Anthony, I'll ask you first. He asks, you've got, um, you've bet your house on a single game. You've got 30 seconds needed to score. The striker's one-on-one with the keeper. Would you rather have that striker be Harry Kane or Sergio Aguero? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, Aguero. Aguero. And, okay, JS, gun to the head. Who would you go for? Uh, I mean, they're both going to finish it, so it doesn't matter. So being Spurs, I'm going to have to say Kane. Okay, I think that might have been coming anyway, but that's absolutely fine. I was going to put the curveball if Manuel Neuer was in goal, but chances are he'd probably save it, so then you probably would have lost your house. So yeah. not the way you'd want to go there. So, um, right, that's about it for this show. Just need to do the, the admin. I've already mentioned um, the requests for listeners' questions. So I'm going to keep banging that drum until we get a lot more in. So just, yeah, send them in. Just tweet me at DanTrace1983 with any questions or footballers' names at any time of the week. I'll take them on board. Um, purposely, again, there's not been a lot of Tottenham chat. There is a reason behind that. That's because I also do the eSpurs podcast. I don't really want to duplicate the content. So if you've got another spare hour after this one, you can find that on Twitter at E underscore Spurs. 
Um, I need to thank my guests. Anthony, it's been a fantastic debut cap. Thanks ever so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I hope you'll join us again soon. I'd love to, yeah, as long as I've not found as long as you've not found me too annoying. No, no, absolutely not, mate. I'd, I'd love to have you on during the season, so uh, you're welcome to the squad. JS, yeah. there's no getting rid of you. You're part of the furniture now, so I think you'll be joining me next week, I hope. I will do, Dan, absolutely, yeah. Excellent. Um, with the Tottenham game being next Monday, it means my schedule's um, pushed a day back, so if this is out slightly later, that'll be the reason, but, you know, it's all in good time. It'll be worth waiting for, I promise. So... <laughs> It's just easy to say, my name's Dan Tracy, this is The Real Football Cast. Until next time, goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.